Welcome to the Inferno Cast. Today we are here with Andrea KGB Lee, UFC fighter, kickboxer, boxer, all around full martial artist. How's everything going down south, Andrea? It's good. You know, we're all quarantined here, so. Uh, yeah, I see that you're getting outside a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not that quarantined. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna sit in my house, you know, and be afraid to step outside. So I'm still. I'm yeah. still getting my. My workout yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like you're getting a little bit of track work in today. So are you uh, are you able to stay pretty busy and physical active, you know, as far as doing your workouts? I have been. Um, I got pads earlier today. I lifted weights, and I also got my run in. And I, I bought some, like, agility equipment, some battle ropes and stuff. So, I mean, I've been kind of making some stuff up and staying as active as I can, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're just you're prepping and doing what it takes. That's awesome. Um, so just a real quick background, you know, me and Andrea met, uh, years ago at the IKF, which is the International Kickboxing Federation. It's an amateur kickboxing circuit, probably one of the most prominent in the world. A lot of good competition there. Um, you've, you've actually, you competed there a few times, right? Or was it just the one year? No. Yeah. I competed there twice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I knew that there's a little bit there. Um, but my first question was your first introduction into martial arts. What did that look like? How old were you? Kind of what was, what got you involved with it? My first introduction, I was 20 years old actually. And, um, you know, I, I had been, I had always been interested in martial arts and I had always wanted to do it, but I grew up in Atlanta, Texas and, and there they didn't really offer any martial arts, any in any form so it wasn't until I was 20 that I actually found a gym and started training and I, I really just really started focusing on boxing at first because um, okay. my coach you know he was like we don't I wanted to do MMA I mean that's what I came in there I was like I want to do I want to because at the time I had a friend who said he had a cage fight coming up I was familiar with the UFC but I they were referring to it as cage fighting. So I was like, I want to fight in a cage. I'm like, that's yeah, what I yeah. <laughs> I think we've all had that moment. That's where we show up to somebody. Like when I first met during, I was like, well, I just want to be a cage fighter. And now I look back and I'm like, oh man, you know, but hey, youthful ignorance, right? We're just, we just want to be tough. <laughs> so you first got into boxing. Um, how long was it before you started competing in boxing? Five months. Oh, wow. Uh, you jumped in quick. I did so but I was I was training every day I was getting a lot of one-on-one -on -one because I was going at an earlier time than everyone else and uh, I would train from like uh, 11 till about 2 and then I would rush home I'd get ready and be at work about like 345 so I mean like I was I was getting quite I was getting a good amount of time in you know every day and I was like I got hooked when I got hooked I got hooked I mean I was going there religiously every day um, and, you know, that allowed me to progress quicker and be able to fight within five months. Yeah. So first time you got in the ring, first of all, what did your family think? They came, Well, my dad came to watch me and, and they were all nervous. You know, they didn't want me to get hit in my face. My dad's real protective. And he was like, I just don't know about all that, Annie. I don't want you getting hurt. And um, now he's like my biggest fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. But I went out there, and the first time it was like, well, I wore glasses at the time, and I didn't have my contacts, so I wasn't wearing contacts then. So I had to fight blind, and 
I was walking out. I remember I forgot my mouthpiece. My brother had to run back to the stands to get my mouthpiece. And this was at, at the Louisiana Golden Gloves, the state Louisiana State Golden Gloves. So he, he brings me my mouthpiece, you know, and I get in there and, you know, we're, I mean, like, I wish I, I could, I got the footage and it's, it's actually really funny. Um, <laughs> it was ridiculous, but I ended up winning the fight. And, um, after I got out of the ring, like I had to go straight to the bathroom and throw up because I was so, I don't know, all that adrenaline. I had never felt it before. Not like yeah. that. And, yeah. um, it was an eye opener, but I just, I fell in love with it. It was so much, it was so much fun. I looked, I looked silly out there right. for five months, you know, just jumping around like a bunny rabbit and swinging wild shots. I got, I got knocked down once and then got back up and I ended up stopping her in the second round. So. Oh, that's awesome. Fun. Yeah, when your first fight, that's cool. And I was like, because, okay, so remember, I'm blind. So, you know, when the ref stops it, you know, you have to go to the white corner, and then they have to do the eight count. So I'm sitting over there in my corner, and Donnie's across the way, and, um, or, 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 no, the girl's over there on the other side. And he's counting, he's counting, and then I guess he waves the fight. And I'm, like, just standing there waiting. And, like, you could see it in the video. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and Donnie's yeah. like, you won, you won. It's <laughs> over. You did it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, because I'm, like, blind and I can't see anything. I couldn't see really what the ref was doing over there. So, yeah, I've had PRK, though, and I got my eyes. My, I had eye surgery, so I can see now without contacts or glasses, so. That helps because whenever, you know, when you take shots to the head and you have contacts in, like they flip out or they twist and then you're in there messing with it in the middle of a fight. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, is definitely yeah. tough. Um, yeah. So did you find yourself being a competitive person before boxing? Like, did you grow up just being that competitive? I'll do anything. I'll accomplish whatever I want. Or was this something that happened later in life when you got closer to finding the gym? Really more later in life. Though I've always been, I really have always been, let's say, competitive, um, and I've always loved sports, and I did play sports in high school, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a great athlete or anything like that. I don't think I really applied or pushed myself. I didn't have a coach that pushed me either, you know, um, but when it was me just playing football with the guys, I'd go all out. I was always trying to to t prove myself, you know, and I'm always trying, I was always trying to tackle somebody. I was always trying to catch the ball. Like, I mean, I, like in that sense, like I, I was always trying to prove myself in a man, in a male sport. Um, but then whenever I played volleyball, like I loved the, the, the sport, but I would get, I was easily intimidated, I guess, by the other girls, you know, and I don't know. I just, I didn't push myself like I should have, cause I was good you know, but yeah. I just didn't push myself on I should have. And it wasn't until I, I started fighting that I really, you know, was able to open up and, and become a better athlete. So do you think that that hindrance of becoming that athlete, do you feel like that was a, a confidence issue, an experience issue? Because, you know, a lot of people battle that. I mean, even outside of the ring, just in their life in general, they kind of throttle things back because there's just a little apprehension or some fear in there or, um, you know, concerned about what could happen? It was a confidence issue. And, you know, it is really all mental. And it, it, I realized that and I was able to, I was able to correct that, I guess. Because um, I remember, because I would always go back to like, okay, so I like, I like use volleyball as an example. Like I remember like when it happened to me twice, actually, I choked, you know, like it was the, the last 
game that I was going to play for Florida because I was moving back to, I was moving back to Texas and I, I lived there for like a year and I was playing volleyball and I loved it there because they you know they were serious about the sport and so my coach puts me in and he's like oh he's like Lee's gonna make this shot she she never misses her serves you know her serves you know like he was just bragging about me and I'm like put all that pressure on me you know <laughs> so I went in there and yeah. like I'm bouncing the ball and everybody has like a like a like a a traditional thing that they do so I balanced the ball I spin it and I could I felt that my spin was off in my hands you know but I went ahead and I I threw it up in the air and I went to serve it I already knew like I should have just let it drop but I didn't yeah. I, I I hit it and in my mind I was like oh shit this is gonna hit the net and it yeah. did it hit the net you know and that was kind of like that was the last time that I was in there, you know, because it was at the end of the game. They needed me to make that serve. I didn't make it. The same thing happened to me when I got back to Texas. It was the last game that I was going to play. I was, it was my senior year and it was the last game that I was going to play ever, you know? And so it really meant something to me. And I got out there and my coach was like, okay, you're in, you know, and we were doing so good. I had already landed a couple of serves. I just needed to land like two more. And uh, the same thing happened to me again. I got in my head. And I messed, I missed, I ended up missing the serve. My little, my traditional spin and everything was off. But like, I remember that and I was like, man, I, I let myself get in my own head and, and, and stop myself from, from being able to enjoy that, you know, and being able to push myself and do better because I could have. So now in this sport, it's like, I don't, I don't take it for granted. Like I try not to let myself get in my own head. I mean, um, you're the only one out there. Like it's not a team sport. You know, so all the pressure, it's on you. It's not on anybody else. So it's like if you lose, you're the one out there. I mean, yeah, your team, they feel like they feel your pain, but it's all on you. So it just, it drives me and it motivates me and it pushes me, you know. And, um, yeah, I think it's made me stronger mentally. Absolutely. I, I mean, I would agree with that. If, if you were going to be talking to some girls out there playing volleyball in high school and you know that that's what they're running into, what would you tell them to help them deal with that same pressure that they're feeling in that moment when the serve comes? Uh, you know, I, I would just say, I put, I mean, I don't put all of that pressure on you. I mean, cause there is a lot of pressure on you because it's a team sport and you feel like you're going to be letting everybody down if you don't make the serve. So I would say just don't do that. Try not to try to like keep, all that, those negative thoughts out of your mind, you know, um, don't put that type of pressure on you. Just go out there and have fun and enjoy it. Cause I don't feel like I really enjoyed it. You know, I just put too much pressure on myself. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's yeah, funny you say so. that that's, that's not the first time I've heard that. Um, when I was younger, I got to go train at team quest with all those guys. And I remember one day after practice, the head coach and, and Randy was there and, they came over and they're like, Caleb, you're putting so much pressure on yourself in practice. You know, like this is just practice, man. Um, and they're like, you got to enjoy the process. And at that time, like, I didn't know what that meant. All I knew was you guys are the best in the world. I want to be the best in the world, you know, cause I'm 21, 22. And I was just like, I don't understand what you mean. You know, just that enjoying the process and, and just having fun with, what you're, you're doing in the sport and you're not so worried about the end result the whole time. And, you know, and I feel like that's kind of resonating with what you're saying is like, I mean, that feels like the same advice that I was given, you know, almost 20 years ago was like, you just got to yeah. enjoy it. You can't put all this pressure on yourself. 
I think that's really good advice. Um, so the transition to kickboxing, boxing, loving it, adding tools. Now there's punches and kicks. How did it come up? Was that always part of the plan? How did that go? Yeah, it was definitely always part of the plan. Um, so first we got used to boxing, you know, getting our hands and our head movement, our footwork um, in sync. And, and finally I could start working the kicks. <laughs> um, yeah. So we started focusing on I, you know, like going to a lot of tournaments, IKF, uh, kickboxing, uh, getting all of the, the Muay Thai um, experience that I could in uh, before really transitioning to MMA. Now I did end up having some MMA, MMA fights um, between all of this, but I didn't do as good because I was just boxing. So my first, my first MMA fight was, uh, at the end of 2011. And all I did was like, try to outbox the girl. And they kept telling the girl, cause I remember they kept saying, use your Muay Thai, use your Muay Thai. And it wasn't until she started using her Muay Thai that she actually, she ended up winning and beating me because of that. So I was like, I need to work on my kicks. I need to work on my Muay Thai, my kickboxing. I was like, I know I can, I can be better well-rounded. So it wasn't until after that, that I really started to get to work on my kicks and working on my Muay Thai. And, um, so we kind of like stepped away from MMA for a little bit and started focusing on that and then, and hitting all the circuits. So that really helped me to, um, it helped to better, like, it helped to make me better well-rounded, you know? Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, I'm still working on my jujitsu too, but I would say that the IKF tournaments, the, the WKA, and um, the, the one out in, in Iowa, I can't remember what that one's called. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I would say the, that they helped me out a lot. TBA, I think, is the title. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. TBA, yeah, yeah. I would say all of that experience really helped me, like 100%, you know? It, it really took turned me into a better fighter, a better striker. Yeah. Because you know? I mean I, I had to I had to I had to focus on I didn't have to worry about anybody taking me down, but I mean I had to work on, you know, my I had to work on my kickboxing and my Muay Thai because Donnie was having me do both. He was like, okay, so we're gonna sign you up for kickboxing and Muay Thai at the same time. He's like that way that you, at least you get you get some competition. But it also made me have to like remember the rules, you know, because yeah. the rules are different. So, I mean, I had to know what to do and what not to do. Which, I mean, that's a good approach too, because it's, it's almost like weightlifting in the gym, you know, like you, you do movements with resistance with weights, just like with martial arts, you know, when you have to put the mental burden on yourself of what's the rule set, can do this, can't do that. It increases your processing power to where mm -hmm. if you're able to keep track of rule sets and what you can and can't do, you know, that kind of opens up your perspective whenever you're in a combat sport, as far as, you know, reading mm -hmm. opponents and finding their gives and, you know, running your plan. Cause I'm sure you can remember the first couple fights when it's like the fight's over and it's like, I don't even know what just happened. You know, it just, uh, just yeah. so much overwhelmed with nerves until you get your composure. Uh, so then I would, my, my question would be in kickboxing, do you remember like a defining fight or a moment in which you felt like, you had the composure, like you were in control and you felt relaxed in the ring. Um, I would say against, I fought, I fought this girl named Christy. I can't pronounce her last name. Christy Tykenguinko. Tykenguinko. I can't remember, but she was, she was really good. She was really, really solid kickboxer. And uh, she did, she threw like a lot of fancy kicks, you know, she threw like a lot of high kicks, spinning kicks and, 
Um, and I remember fighting her at the WKA and she was the one that was supposed to win that tournament. I ended up winning. <laughs> yeah, the underdog but, pulled through. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, so her and I, we matched up or we met up. And I remember they had they had this like um, they had like a TV crew following her around. I guess they were doing like a reality show or whatever. And so like she was she was the one that was supposed to win the tournament, and then she fought me. Um, but I remember fighting, and I, every time she would throw like a spinning uh, spinning heel kick or a, or a big high like I was a head kick like I kept rolling under them because she was throwing them pretty high so I mean every mm -hmm. time that she would it's like I would just like roll under it and then I'd be able to counter her or I'd catch the kick and then you know trip her even though I mean that's not necessarily something that you can do like in kickboxing but it um but I mean I think that that fight was probably the, the defining moment because I mean I fought a girl that was supposed to win and she really was better than me technically she was much much better than me but I was just able to keep my composure and I was out, I was able to go out there and just out strike her with my hands. And I landed a lot of great kicks too as well, but I was able to like slip and roll and like move and evade everything that she was throwing for the most part. And, um, it just ended up being like a really fun fight for me. And, uh, I was happy. Where was, that, <laughs> where was that fight at? It was in, uh, West Virginia, Virginia. Okay. Okay. Cause okay. I was just, I couldn't remember if that was one that was going to be that was down in florida or not but um, i ended up fighting her again in florida oh okay okay that I makes fight, yeah makes i fought her one more time and she and i beat her again <laughs> but she fought me now like if, if it had been kickboxing she probably would have won the fight but the thing is it's like because she signed up for muay thai um, she, wasn't, she wasn't taking into account that uh, sweeps counted you know what I mean so yeah. every time that I caught her kick I would dump her and I dumped her so many times she was landing a lot of great stuff but those oh. score really high and uh, even though it didn't, it didn't score high for me in kickboxing but it did for the the Muay Thai fight and, and I, I ended up getting winning that too so. yeah that's awesome so after that moment or that fight how did that affect the next time you stepped into the ring like was it just was it just a new you? Like you were just a new athlete, you know, the next fight, it was just like, this is where I belong. You know, I'm not in the ring with you. You're in the ring with me. No, I don't ever think that I get big headed, like in that sense. I mean, I, I always feel, I do feel confidence and stuff. And it, with, with every win and every fight that I have, you know, with each experience, it does make me a better fighter, but I don't go into every fight thinking that way because I don't want to, I don't want to start believing in my own hype or, or, um, you know, get, get caught up in the idea that I'm better than somebody because then that's when you get caught. So I always go in thinking that my opponents are better than me that way that I'm always on guard and I'm always ready for whatever it is that they're going to throw at me. Um, you know, it, it, the experience makes me better, but it doesn't make me cocky or, 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 um, it just, it doesn't make me feel like, it makes me feel more confident, but you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> it's almost like, so maybe, maybe you don't feel unstoppable. You just feel confident in your skills. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, everybody you know. is stoppable. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody's undefeated till they're not, you know, yeah, exactly. it's, uh, you know, I was talking to one of the guys the other day about, I mean, I feel sorry for guys that have been undefeated for a long time because that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of pressure. It and really is. 
and you learn so much from the losses. I mean, you just, you really do. And no, you know, nobody likes to talk about that piece and it's never fun when it happens, but a lot of times how we deal and cope with our losses is usually what defines our successes. So I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's a good perspective on it. Um, so during the kickboxing time, you're doing some jujitsu. Was that something that came naturally? Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Or was it like the reluctant, like, well, I got to do this too. So let's get it done. It was like that. Yeah. I wasn't as, as eager to do jujitsu. Um, I just, I really loved striking, you know, and that was like my favorite, my favorite part, you know, so it really took me a while to like get into like the mindset that this is fun, you know what I mean? And enjoyable. And um, it wasn't until like Donnie started like sending me to like jujitsu tournaments. He's like, okay, we're going, we're, we're going to do these jujitsu tournaments or, you know, so I remember he put me in, he was like, you gotta, he's like, I'm, you're going to do gi. He bought me a gi. And he was like, we're going to do uh, no gi and gi as white belt division. And um, I didn't know anything in the gi. So um, I went down to Longview to, to work with Derek Prance. And uh, I was like, I just need to learn a few things in the gi. Can you show me a couple of submissions? Or He probably looked at you like, what do you mean just a few <laughs> things in the gi? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, show me some, show me some grips and stuff like I don't know anything and um he goes down I mean like I go down there and he shows me like a few things I remember he shows me the bow and arrow choke and he shows me a baseball choke and those are the two things that I use and I actually end up submitting the girls with a, a baseball choke and a and a bow and arrow choke so I was like awesome. this ain't so bad this is kind of fun you know yeah um, you're like I can learn stuff I just learned it like literally like right before I went to that tournament, I ended up actually executing it. So it's kind of cool. Um, but it's, but it's all that I knew. Um, but it wasn't until I started doing like all of the jujitsu tournaments that I really started to embrace it and really focus on it and get, get much better at it. You know, was there a turning point? Huh? Was there a turning point with the grappling to where you were like, it started affecting you on more of a cerebral level? Cause like usually with jujitsu people, there's a point in which it, it's physical up into a point of like doing moves and then it becomes cerebral where it's like, it's like chess, you know, it's this elaborate game that you're just trying to unlock. Was there, you know, was there a point that you ran into that? Oh yeah. And, um, after, after competing, cause I mean, he, we would go to like so many tournaments. So it was like, after a little bit, like I was already like, like, you know, it is, it's all, it's all, I mean, it's not all, a lot of it's mental, you know? and it's mind and, and mind game. And I mean, you, you just have to know how, how to go out there and, and beat your opponent. So of course I'm like sizing everybody up, you know? Um, and the moment that we step on the mat, you know, we do shake hands. So a lot of the times, like I would be able to base what type of match I was going to have based on our handshake. So like I would shake a girl's hand and if it was one of those like little dainty, their hands felt really soft or it was elegant or whatever, I knew that I was going to be able to have my way with them. I was like, okay, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to out wrestle her. I'm going to be aggressive. You know, I'm going to take her down. And, and that's normally what happens. I would have girls who would shake me pretty firmly. I'm like, okay, this girl's a little, this, this girl's coming, you know, mm -hmm. she's tough. Um, yeah. And that would kind of be how I would gauge, you know, how, how I was going to execute the, the beginning of the match, you know? Well, then that brings um, me into the stare down. So like, how does that transition into stare downs? That means, cause if that was meaning something then, then you've, you've got to have a system on the stare down. So 
is there something on that stare down when you're having to look them in the eye? Like, is it, is that an indicator? Um, oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I like to look, we are both looking at each other, other in the eye, you know, and you're kind of like seeing, are they, are they shaking? Is their hand shaking or are they like, are they, they being fidgety or they're trying to smile? Are they not trying to smile? I mean, like, you know, it all means something, you know, and I yeah. normally go out there and I'm just kind of like, don't knock my hat off. That's all. Just, just don't. <laughs> the one request. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm just like, please just don't knock my hat off. Uh, but like, I can't help it. Sometimes I smile and sometimes I can stand there and be all serious, you know? Um, it just, it just really depends. Um, sometimes it doesn't really mean anything, you know? Yeah. Um, but a lot of the times it does because a lot of people are head cases, you know, and, um, you know, you, you can get in, some people let you get into their head, you know, cause right. they are, they're mental cases. It's um, part of the game. It is. Yeah, definitely. Part is. Of the game. Some people are beaten at the stare down. Some people get beat at the stare down. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, it reminds me of, uh, Tito, Tito Ortiz versus Randy Couture cause Tito had all this momentum at the time. And when he fought Randy, uh, you know, Randy didn't play into the mind games, you know, because Tito was always a pusher, you know, just like get in your head, antagonize. And Randy never played that. And like, it, it, it's almost like Tito needed that for him to kind of do well or like kind of get in his rhythm. And Randy kind of pulled him out of it by being like the nice guy athlete that was like, oh, no, man, I'm just here to fight. It'll be fun. You know, I, I, and I see what you're saying where there's some people that run mental plays. And whenever you disrupt that mental rhythm for them, they don't know what to do. You know, they're like, yeah, you're yeah. supposed to be angry back and you're not. So <laughs> I would say Roxy's one of those because she's always just happy go lucky, you know, like you can't really like get her mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are the tough ones because especially people that depend on their emotional intensity, um, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like they, they got to get their emotions riled up to get that part of them to come out. And so when you made the transition to MMA, do you remember your first fight? First of all. First MMA fight, you remember? Yes. Okay. So my first MMA fight was like, okay. So it was about four and a half months after I gave birth to Ainsley uh, in 2011. So, um, you know, I had like a, I had like a two months to really prepare for that fight, you know, because they only give you, or they recommend you like not to do any type of working out or anything after you know, for like six weeks after you've had a baby. So mm -hmm. as soon as they told me that I could, I could train and that six months, six weeks was up. Like I was, I dove right in, you know, and your I first mean, I thought was, is I had a baby and now I want an MMA fight. That's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. I had already nine months, you know, I had like, I had to like put everything on hold. So, you know, I was eager to, to get a fight. And, um, the first girl that I fought, her name was Jade. I can't remember her last name. But I'd seen her fight before, and I think she was like three and zero at this time. And I was like, "Man, I know I can go out there and beat her." Um, so I accepted that fight, and um, I ended up losing a decision. But the reason that I lost because I didn't know I didn't know anything on the ground, and mm -hmm. it was just such a sloppy fight. And I definitely learned a lot from it. Um, but it, it was one of those where. Had I kept it standing and not really like fallen to the ground because I've fallen is what happened. Cause it was like, I, I remember like 
she was on the ground and I'm like standing up and then she like grabs my leg and I like fall over and I don't know. Yeah. I was just super sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sloppy. And at one point I, I had her in a guillotine position, which I knew nothing about the guillotine position. And then one time I had her in a triangle position, which I had no idea what a triangle was at that time. I mean, I had so many opportunities to execute some, some positions, but I didn't know I had anything, you know? Right, so yeah, just, well, you were new and you didn't know. And, and the reason I ask if you remember it, because my question is, was there something about fighting MMA that was different than boxing and kickboxing for you? You know, was it like MMA was everything you expected it to be? Was that like, you know, the defining time that this was going to be your goal? Did it feel any different than the other competitions? It did feel a lot different because you, there was so much more that you had to worry about. Um, there was, and there was so much more that you could do. And I was looking forward to that because, you know, I, I really love the, um, I love the violent side of it. You know what I mean? Like the ground and pound and knees and, you know, one day I wanted to be able to throw elbows and, um, in, in Louisiana, you can grab the head and throw knees to the head, you know, um, in other States, you know, that rule's not allowed, but in Louisiana, you can do pretty much anything, uh, the pros can do except for throwing elbows and I think I I think all leg locks are allowed now so I mean mm -hmm. pretty much everything but elbows and so you know that was kind of one of the things that I was looking for and um, you know that I, I learned real quick that <laughs> I needed to learn jujitsu <laughs> so tell us about your jujitsu journey um, you started you know you went down did the private lesson did the tournament so now you know you're a brown belt what's that look like for the last several years for the last several years, I mean, like there for a little bit, you know, I was going up, 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 up. Now it's kind of like, I'm just kind of like, because um, I haven't really, because I've been so focused on doing a little bit of everything here and there. So I'm like, I'm striking, I'm wrestling, I'm, you know, grappling with MMA strikes. And I'm not really getting enough, like just jujitsu focusing, you know? So I really want to get back into maybe getting into some of the, the, the tournaments and get back into traveling and, and forcing myself to train and prepare for other like things such as like jujitsu tournaments and, you know, pro grappling matches. Like I think all that would be really good and beneficial. So I'm, I'm really thinking about doing that on the side when I don't have a fight coming up. Um, sure. Because, like I said, I'm like this right now. I was this, and now I'm this. A little bit of a Maybe. plateau, which, you know, and everybody <laughs> goes through it, um, especially when you're trying to be a mixed martial arts athlete, because you got to keep so many things sharp, you know? I mean, the, the physicality, just your workouts, and the flexibility, and the boxing, the kickboxing, the wrestling, you know, and just everything tied together, um, which takes us into the MMA phase. So, when you started getting momentum as an MMA fighter, when do you feel like you knew you were like, I'm going to the UFC and I'm going to be the best in the world. Like, when did that cross your mind that that was a reality that was something that you could achieve or you knew you were going to achieve? Like, when did it hit you that that was going to, you know, kind of be who you were? Probably when I started really fighting for Invicta and Legacy. Um, you know, because I, I started to get TV time and, um, you know, I was gaining fans and recognition. I was winning all of my fights. I mean, I knew early on that, that was something that, that I, I felt was achievable. 
Um, because I had so many fights as an amateur, you know, I had close to 50 fights and I knew that I was well-rounded enough to, to finally turn pro. So it wasn't until like, I guess I got, I started fighting for Invicta and, and really shining. I mean, and I, I don't like to, you know, brag or anything, but I mean, I, I had some pretty exciting fights for Invicta and I can remember every single one of them, even my losses were exciting. So and I had two losses for Invicta, and I just, I just remember, you know, there was one fight I ended up losing, but Sean Shelby was there, and um, I ended up, I was, I was winning this fight. It was against Sarah Delalio, and I was, I was doing, we, it was such a great fight, you know. I mean, everything was landing, man. I freaking eponged her, um, but she ended up getting at the end. It was like we had like 60 seconds left. I ended up slipping up and getting overzealous because I wanted to finish her, you know, and I wanted to make a statement, and I ended up giving up. Of my back and she ended up taking advantage of it she got her rear naked choke in she got her hooks in and she flattened me out and she she subbed me out yeah. but shannon told me that sean shelby was like very impressed by me and by my performance that night so he was already looking at me and so you know i knew it was just a matter of time i just needed to get the fights and the experience and just you know work on that because i knew it was coming i just didn't know when and the fact that the 125 division hadn't opened yet was going to give me some more time to prepare and get ready for that stage. Um, I was just waiting for them to open the gate, you know, for sure. I mean, and and anybody that, uh, anybody that's seen you fight or, or has, you know, got to watch any of your performances, like, you know, you've always been an exciting fighter because you push the pace, you know, like you take the risks, but one thing that like I personally noticed over the years is the risks have gotten more and more calculated, you know, where it's just like, there's some risk involved, but it's a calculated risk. And that experience has just really been showing as a professional. Um, and, and that was one thing, as soon as you hit, because your first, because Legacy was before Invicta, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I can remember when you first made on Legacy, I remember talking to Dring about it, because I was like, man, Andrea's going to make it. Like, I can just, I can tell she's going to make it, because just the skill set was there. And you were just, you were always just so happy to be there. You know, that was one thing, like, you always just had a lot of energy just to be a fighter. And it was always cool. And so I was just curious, you know, when you knew and you could feel that building, you know, for it to come. So when the UFC call came, how did that affect you? Was it, you know, yep, knew this was coming. I'm going to be ready for it. Was it the overwhelm, surreal, like, is this even happening? Or was it just kind of like the... I'm going to sit and be quiet for about 20 minutes because I'm still processing. How did that go? Um, I actually got my first offer to fight was right after my, my, uh, my fight for like for LFA. I had, I was Mm -hmm. defending my title. I defended my title. I won. And like, we're hanging out at the horseshoe casino in uh, Louisiana, Shreveport, you know, here it was a hometown fight luckily. Um, and, you know, Mick Maynard was there. He had watched the fights and stuff. And he came up to me and he asked me if I wanted to take a short notice fight against, um, against Jessica I, who was scheduled to fight Paige Van Zandt at that moment. But Paige got hurt, so Jessica I needed an opponent. And I was like, that's like two weeks from now. <laughs> I was like, shit, there might have even been a week. I'm not sure. Yeah. I was like, well, well, let me talk to Donnie. Let me, let me get some advice on this. I was like, and we'll we'll talk to you tomorrow. So we decided that we were going to take the fight. And so we got the contract sent over to us, you know, and they kind of threw us a, a little bit more, you know, because it was a short notice fight. Yeah. So, 
yeah so we got we signed the contract um but then it ended up falling through because i had to because you know a year or so prior i had that uh i felt the drug test for um for a diuretic a diuretic yes yeah yeah i used i used a fluid pill to help me cut weight and so they suspended me which i had um i did i did my suspension i came back and i fought but then it was like okay well now you got to go into the usada testing pool for six months before you can fight for the ufc so we had to do that and so for six months i didn't I didn't fight again until my I made my debut in Chile against Veronica Macedo. But I mean, mm-hmm. like getting the fight offer, it was pretty cool. It was exciting. You know, it was after my fight uh, with Jamie Thornton. I won that fight. And then they were like, okay, we want you to fight Jessica. I, which was a big deal because she's in the top 10. So, I mean, that was yeah. like right off the bat, a top 10 opponent. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. But I didn't get, I didn't get that fight. Uh, but it still ended up being cool because I fought Veronica Macedo and we ended up getting fight of the night bonus. So, you know, it was cool. Yeah. That's one of those things where like sometimes, you know, delay isn't denial. Um, you know, it'll come. That's one thing that, uh, you know, my coaches told me many times over the years, but it's, you know, and I think it kind of falls into that because I'm always curious whenever people, when you get the call, did it build up your confidence or did it make you feel like, Oh, now I need to become this higher level athlete. Or was it like a justification of, of course you're calling me, you know, I've been working my tail off and I deserve to be on that level. You know, how did it affect you on a confidence level? Did it build it or did it kind of make you want to just work harder? Um, well, working harder, even though I was already working really hard, but I, I think that it just, it didn't feel real really just yet. So for me, it was like I was just preparing for another fight. Even though it's for the UFC, um, I wasn't really preparing for it like that. I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, it's just another fight, you know, because I didn't want to get in my own head and get nervous about anything. So um, for myself, I just went ahead and prepared and, and thought about it as if it was just another fight for Legacy or Invicta, you know, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, until so, you show up to weigh-ins. Yeah, until you show up to weigh-ins, uh, cameras everywhere, and everybody's talking and chatting. Um, yeah. So the the first UFC fight, how did it affect you just being in that environment? Because, you know, they're a little bit more organized on the press and on the stuff, so there had to have been more stuff going on. So how did that affect your prep and kind of your mental attitude going into the fight? Was it distraction? Was it no big deal? Was it exciting? There was, it was a lot, you know, and we're in another country, so, I mean, they had, like, a lot of media and because they hadn't done media for me um, and video, videography and all of that. So we had to get pictures, we had to do photo shoots, we had to do video, um, you know, for the TV and the face off, you know, the jumping around thing and the stare down, the, the stuff that the, they show on the prompts, you know, before the fight. Um, and um, we did have a lot of like media to do. They ended up, they really wanted to interview us because we were like the only females on the card so we had a lot of media to do as well uh not just for the ufc and for i think i think that was espn or was that the last one on fox it was fox anyways it doesn't matter um but we also had to interview for the locals too like the local television so because they were doing they're trying to promote it there locally and so like i had to do a lot of stuff for chile and in santiago um, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a little bit different, you know, and it was a little bit more pressure, 
um, to squeeze all of that in and to find time to cut my weight. Um, so, you know, I was worried about that, uh, but ended up getting it done. It all, it all worked out for the best. Um, the weigh-ins was, that was incredible. You know, there were so many people there. I was, that was, that was a cool weigh-in. I, I enjoyed that. And, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's a good memory. That's good. That's good. So now you're in the UFC. You're this professional athlete. You now have a platform on which to communicate to people. How real does that feel to you um, as how much impact that you have in the world right now? Like, does it feel like you're this person that's, that's able to influence and impact these people? Or does it not feel like that very much? You just have this thing you go do in public sometimes. Um, you know, how much of a burden does it put on you with just your role as a professional high-level athlete? Um. I mean, there is a little bit of a burden, I think, for anybody who's kind of in the spotlight, especially when I have a fight coming up, you know, so it's like people are really like Googling you, you know, and they're really trying to see who this person is. Um, so you have to be careful with the things that you say and you do, um, you know, like even just like, uh, let's just say, for example, talking politics, you know, I mean, something as simple as that, you can't even you don't want to talk about who you voted for. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the fans that you had, you won't have the next day, you know, because I mean, people yeah. take that kind of stuff serious. So, I mean, you have to be very careful with the way that you express yourself in the public, you know, and you kind of, you just have to play this, this portray this image. And I portray an image, you know, um, I mean, and it's true. I mean, I am who I am, but at the same time, there's still things that I don't, I, I don't put out there um, because, yeah. you know, people get offended very easily, you know, um, and you just have to be careful. But I do enjoy the fact that I'm able to inspire and motivate so many people, you know, and I do get a lot of, of emails and messages like in my social media daily, you know, people telling me how I inspire them, you know, and that makes me feel really, really good. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's, I don't know. I never thought that I would be able to inspire or motivate people, you know, but I mean, it's so many people and I get like little kids, you know, and parents who reach out to me and they want me to sign, like send autographs because their, their child's maybe like a really big fan of mine. And even they're a fan of mine too, you know? So I don't know. It's it just, you know, makes me feel really good inside. So, so it, it inspires me to want to be, a, you know, a good, a good role model. Exactly. And that's kind of what I'm getting around to is like, what, what's the message, you know, that, that you're trying to convey? Like, like, what do you want people to, to be looking at and evaluating in their own lives, you know, that you're trying to help inspire them with? Like, what's the, what's the Andrea message that you're really trying to propagate to people? I would, I mean, I'm all, I always have a message, I guess, but I mean, the main thing is just go out there and live your life. You know, um, I would like to say, don't worry about, offending people so much and just kind of be you I mean there because I, I hate having to you know hold back and be I mean I'm always having to be careful with like the things that I say you know so I just feel like go out there be yourself you know and just you know have fun enjoy life chase your dreams I mean because at one point I didn't think being in the UFC you know 
I just thought this was going to be like a hobby and I was just going to do it for fun. I mean, and then one day I was like, you know what, I'm going to see where this takes me and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to see where I end up at in the next five, 10 years. And it landed me here in the UFC, you know? So, um, you know, if you have a dream, whatever that may be, just go out, chase it, you know, don't give up on it. Um, and make the sacrifices that you have to make, just dedicate yourself. And, you know, in the end, all that hard work is going to pay off, but stay true to yourself, be you and don't change for anybody. You know, that's all I can say. <laughs> that is awesome, Andrea. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us today. Um, I hope that uh, everything's going well with you and you're able to keep getting your workouts in and hopefully this whole, you know, pandemic thing will be over soon or to where we can kind of get back to some degree of normalcy and, and we'll definitely be following you and keeping in touch. I appreciate it, Caleb. Uh, thanks for having me today. <laughs> yeah, you are welcome. We'll be talking to you soon, okay? Okay.